My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. This week's show will be a little bit different in form than usual. You'll be hearing material from an interview that I did with Mustafa Henaway of the group Tadaman, and you'll be hearing excerpts from an interview that both he and Sausen Kadura did with Omar Ben Ali. Some of the material from that interview will be in Omar's voice, but some of his answers were in Arabic, so you'll also be hearing translations by Sousan. Omar Ben Ali is a Palestinian man from the Jenin region of the Israeli-occupied West Bank. He has been in Canada, living in Montreal, for almost 10 years. He claimed refugee status on arrival, but despite coming from territory that is under violent military occupation, his refugee claim was denied. He then applied for immigration status in Canada on humanitarian and compassionate grounds, and that was also denied. And yet, despite having no legal status in Canada, he cannot return to Palestine. Canada does not recognize the existence of a Palestinian state, and Israel, as the occupying power, will not allow him to return. So he remains stateless and in bureaucratic limbo, separated from his wife and children, unable to go back to the home he came from, and yet prevented by law from very basic elements of belonging and from living a normal life in the country that he has made his new home. In Montreal, Omar is very involved in supporting the struggle for justice and freedom for Palestine. In the course of that involvement, he got to know the members of Tadaman, which means solidarity in Arabic. They're a grassroots collective that's been involved in supporting the Palestinian struggle in various ways, including the struggles of Palestinian refugees, since around 2005. They do so from an anti-colonial and anti-authoritarian perspective. When they found out about Omar's predicament, they decided that they must launch a campaign demanding that Minister of Immigration Ahmed Hussein and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau use their ministerial discretion and grant Omar status. Omar happens to be a resident of Justin Trudeau's riding, so a major focus of the campaign so far has been both public education and mobilization in the riding itself. As well, they're currently seeking support from elsewhere in the country. Primarily, they're asking people to send letters supporting Omar's request for status to the Minister of Immigration and the Prime Minister, as well as to Tadaman, and eventually they hope that mobilizations can occur in other cities as well. In the course of this, they're also drawing the connections between Omar's predicament and the larger issues at the heart of the Palestinian struggle. Palestinian statelessness, the occupation, Israeli apartheid, the refusal to allow Palestinian refugees to return to their homeland, and the complicity of the Canadian settler state in all of this. Mustafa Henaway spoke with me from Montreal. The interview that he and Sausen Kadura did with Omar Ben Ali was done in Montreal for the show Under the Olive Tree that broadcasts on CKUT. My name is Mustafa Henaway, and I'm an organizer with the collective called Tadamin, which means solidarity in Arabic. And Tadamin has been around since 2005, 2006. And I'm also a community organizer at the Abraham Workers Center. 
The collective first came together around the issue of Palestinian refugees living in Lebanon and trying to make the connections with Palestinian refugees in Lebanon and groups that were working on the ground in Lebanon, but also with the Palestinian community here, and particularly because there was such a large campaign of Palestinian refugees fighting against their own deportation in 2003, 4, 5, that it was to bring about the sort of the bigger picture and trying to do popular education, doing events. The other important part of Tadam in, in its beginnings was to be able to bridge the links between activists in the Middle East and activists here in Montreal and to do that work on an anti-colonial basis looking at Canada as a colonial state and the ramifications of Canadian imperialism in the Middle East, but also the legacy of obviously British, French colonialism and American intervention and imperialism there and what that has meant for the region as a whole. So that made Tadamon different than the other Palestine solidarity organizing that was taking place in Montreal or in Canada at that time. So Tadamon's work over the years really sort of spans the changes in terms of the way things had developed over the region since the way priorities sort of shifted. So that's really been the nuts and bolts of the collective to build grassroots support and to build those links between the Middle East and here in terms of movements in an anti-authoritarian, anti-colonial framework. The overwhelming majority of the Palestinian population is actually refugees. There's 2.2 million people living inside the West Bank. There's roughly another 2 million people living inside the Gaza Strip. 20% of the population inside the state of Israel is Palestinian, but then there are over 6 million Palestinians who live in exile, whether it be in Syria or in Lebanon or in Jordan. The vast majority of Palestinians are still living in exile without the right of return, but yet under the state of Israel, the law of return allows any Jewish person Israeli citizenship and the right to return to the land of Israel. But yet no Palestinian who was displaced in 47 and 48 or 1967 is allowed to return despite UN Resolution 194. And so the main crux for Palestinian refugees in Lebanon is that they remain trapped in a stateless limbo. And as a result, are unable to work, unable to have any livelihoods, but they're also unable to return back to their homeland. And then here, Palestinian refugees remain stateless. Because Canada doesn't recognize Palestine as a state, Palestinian refugees, it's often difficult for them to be deported back to Palestine because there is no passport that says Palestine. There's no country that's called Palestine. And so as a result, they'll be denied status, they'll be denied the refugee claims here, but then cannot be deported back to their country of origin because it doesn't exist. Nor does Canada want to actually recognize even its existence. And that goes to the larger question of Canadian foreign policy in terms of the region. And the question of Canadian values is that when you're a colonial settler state, you tend to lend your support to other states that exert the same kind of policies that you yourself exert. And one of the things about Canadian foreign policy in the region is that under both the Harper government and even the Liberals prior and currently, 
continue to support Israeli apartheid to the fullest and continue to support the Israeli military, whether it be economically through the Canadian-Israel Free Trade Agreement, whether it be the first country to initiate the blockade of the Gaza Strip after the election of Hamas, whether it be the removal of funding to UNRWA in Gaza, or whether it be playing other roles within the region, whether it be Canada's role in Afghanistan militarily or in the coalition in terms of what took place in Iraq. So constantly, Canada is part of uh, supporting Israel in a broader agenda in terms of Western interests in the Middle East. So that directly affects Palestinian refugees who remain here in limbo because to recognize the Palestinian state, or not even the Palestinian state, but to recognize the fact that Palestinian refugees have issues related to the Israeli occupation would mean to recognize that Israel is contravening international law. And Canada constantly wants to avoid that. So then Palestinian refugees sit here in limbo as a result, which has a huge consequence on their daily lives here. In this first clip from the interview with Omar Ben Ali, Omar introduces himself and talks about his situation. Hello, everybody. My name is Omar. I am from Palestine. I am father of seven kids. I'm come here before uh, almost ten years. I'm coming here uh, refugee. I ask to save myself, to save my kids. The first reason I'm coming here because the occupation Israeli in my homeland. Everybody you know what the army Israeli and government Israeli he do in my people, in Palestinian people, in Gaza, in West Bank, everywhere. Too much racism, too much danger. All the Palestinian people, it's civilian. But for the Israeli government and army, you know, look like this for the kids, for the women, for everybody. You don't know if you go outside in your home, if you bag life or you bag die, because no safe. Nothing sure if you can bag to your home, to your kids, to your family. So when I'm coming here, after when I'm lost, like 12 million Palestine, he lost the homeland. So I'm coming to Canada refugee. Maybe I found another homeland for me, for my kids. But I don't know now, maybe I am no have chance to Canada to live with the peace, with the safety. I don't know if I have chance to one day citizen here in Canada and my family. Now my family, it's in Palestine. When I'm lost, my kids, it's a baby, small kids. After 10 years, I am not see him. I'm not touch him. Now I have three daughters and the four daughter this year he couldn't go to university when i'm coming here my wife she's bringing it in six months and after three months she is born my small son just i see him in internet when i'm coming here i want uh, to find myself i have a dream dream to save dream to kids dream to work but now after 10 years I am no find another homeland. I am no find my dream. I am no find myself. Maybe the immigration he put me in like tunnel, dark tunnel. I'm walk in this tunnel. It's no end it. I can't see sunlight. I can't see nothing. 
So maybe I'm lost my soul. Really, I'm lost my soul now. It's no, no answer, no chance, no, I don't know. And I don't know why like this. I hope one day, one day I hope I see my kids here. Everybody, my family will be citizen in Canada. They asked Omar to talk more about the larger context of life in Palestine under Israeli military occupation. Omar responded in Arabic, so you will hear Sausan Kadura's translation of his answer. So Omar said, Unfortunately, but it seems like history forgot the Palestinian people. It seems like destiny forgot us. It seems like our destiny is to get us out, to get this great people out, the owner of the land for thousands of years, an amazing and peaceful people, the same as any other people around the world. But Palestinians are a people that were wronged. All the governments around the world wronged them. They wronged us and expelled us from humanity itself. I think there's no people that was wronged as much as the Palestinian people. They expelled them from their homeland. They committed massacres against them. They starved them and made them endure some of the cruelest form of dangers, torture and prisons. Is it possible that a human being be sentenced for over 4,000 years? Is that possible? You can go and see what sentences the Israeli government gave to some of the prisoners. Some got 20 times a life sentence. Some got 450 years imprisonment. You have to know that when Israel sentences a person to 450 years or even 100 years, this means that you can't even get out when you're dead. And this is what we have already. We have what we call the cemeteries of the numbers. They bury these prisoners in these places with a number and they don't give their body back to the family. Not to talk about racism and oppression. South Africa suffered from racism, true. But their people were not expelled and was not used the way the Zionist occupation used us with the support of all the Western governments, with the exception maybe of few. They deprive us from smile, from joy. No one can imagine, for example, what it is like for a woman who leaves her home for the hospital, which is only 10 kilometers away. No one can imagine that she would wait for long hours in the checkpoint on her way and then give birth on the checkpoint in a dangerous situation. How many women died from that? How many child died from this racial discrimination? Who is able to imagine the situation in the West Bank? Who can imagine that the Israeli colonies have their own roads that Palestinians cannot use or walk on? And if the Palestinians walk on the street, the military doesn't even ask anymore why. We became training targets. It is very easy for this Israeli soldier, these soldiers that came and took my homeland and the homeland of our ancestors, my land and my ancestral land, They came and deprived us even from life and deprived our children from life. And unfortunately, the governments, whether the Arab governments or the Western governments, are fully complicit with them. So because of that, I asked why did they expel us from humanity itself? Hunger, poverty, and all of it caused by the occupation. They deprived us from our dignity. They deprived us from the dream. I can imagine that 90% of the Palestinian people, when they dream, they dream of how they will die in the hands of a soldier, in the hands of this army that they call the Israeli Defense Army, when it is in reality one of the most offensive army in the world today, and it was never a defense force. We are a people that love life. We love to smile and we love people. We adore the people of the world, whatever is their culture and their religion. But unfortunately, not all the people of the world love us. And we all know what the media say about the Palestinian people. But we are the contrary to all of that. We are peaceful people that adores life, who are educated and very knowledgeable. They say we love death, but we are the contrary to that. We are exactly like any other people in the world. 
Actually, we're even more because the injustice that befallen on us makes us feel with other people. When we hear about a problem in Venezuela or Argentina or any other country, we cry for them because we feel their struggle and their pain, a pain that we still live with under the Israeli occupation and under the Israeli colonization. And speaking about colonization, before the Oslo Accords we had in the West Bank around 40,000 settlers. Uh, And the Oslo Accords were a set of agreements between the State of Israel and the Palestine Liberation Organization made in the early 1990s. The settlers mentioned here are Israeli settlers who continue to move onto and take Palestinian land in the West Bank, generally with the support of the Israeli state. Before the Oslo Accords, we had in the West Bank around 40,000 settlers. Today, after Oslo, we have around 800,000 settlers. And despite that, we're still reaching out. We're still reaching our hands out for peace. So we can live in dignity. But in no way the occupation will leave us. The occupation's goal is not only to expel us, but to put us underground. They even said it. Their leaders even said it. In this final clip from the interview with Omar Ben Ali, he talks about his experiences over the last decade with the Canadian immigration system. When I'm coming here in 2008 in airport, I ask about refugee. First of all, he put me in detention one week, and after I go outside the court, he give me go outside, and the government, the immigration, accept my case, refugee. After three years or three years and half, I have court, and I sit down with the judge. In that time, maybe all the court is 30 minutes, and in 30 minutes, the judge, he refused me direct. And I not believe if he know where is Palestine. 100% he don't know where is. Because he speak like somebody he come from moon. I'm speaking uh, what the occupation, Israeli, danger. And he speak in, uh, sure, he speak in another country. And he give me direct. He tell me you are refused. So after this, I do case to humanitarian. I wait maybe it's uh, 14 months. After 14 months, uh, refuse me. Yeah, before humanitarian, it's uh, the another case. I don't know exactly the name and refuse. And the humanitarian, after 14 months, 13 months, refuse. So uh, the immigration officer, she tell me we can't return you in your country because you no have country, no have homeland. And now I don't know, I'll make another humanitarian. And now I wait. This is the problem with me and with the Immigration Canada. If you know, accept this refugee, return him in, in uh, homeland. But the problem, I am no have homeland. The immigration, he said that. The government, he said that. The government, Canada, he believe in uh, Palestine uh, homeland? No. The law is wrong about me now. The immigration, he do too much wrong about me. Same thing in my homeland. I am number, not a human. I am here number. Maybe I can tell why I am number. Because I am not citizen and I am here. The government, he know, return to me because he know it's very dangerous about me. If he return to me because he can't return to me in Israel. Israel, he no accept me. If he accept me, Israel, he put me in prison. I don't know. Or he kill me. Or I don't know. Everybody, he, he know Israeli. 
And now I am number because I am not live in a sky and not live in earth. I am between this. <laughs> I am not resident. I am not citizen. Canada can't return me in my country. But this is life. It's life. It's my life. You take my life. You lose my kid's life. It's life. It's too much uh, expensive. It's life. But do to some father of seven kids to do him like this. I'm so sorry if I tell to everybody now I have take medicine. It's uh, three or four because I can't sleep. I can't work now in this time. I have big stress. I have bad dream. Switching back now to my interview with Mustafa Henaway, I asked him to tell me about the Tadaman Collective's campaign in support of Omar Ben Ali. Omar Ben Ali is a friend to many in the Palestine Solidarity Movement here in Montreal, present in every event, every demonstration, has played and plays an incredible role. And when a few members of Tadalman had heard his situation, we felt it was important and it would be hypocritical of us as a collective to not support members of the community that are being directly impacted by Israeli apartheid and Canadian complicity. So when Omar told us his story that he has been here stateless without citizenship, his family remains trapped in the Janine region, and he hasn't been able to see his seven children. I mean, we are not a legal collective, but because we're a grassroots collective, we wanted to support him through mobilizing and organizing and supporting him in the ways that we can as a collective. Also as a way to show that it's through these kinds of campaigns and mobilizations and actions that change actually happens. And also Omar's story really highlights the injustices Palestinians face, no matter where they are. Omar is from the occupied West Bank, from the Janine region, which was heavily bombarded in 2002 under Operation Defensive Shield, which left over 500 Palestinians killed from areas under the full control of the Israeli military. So there's no civilian law that exists. The Israeli military has full discretion to arrest anyone for up to six months and then would have to be renewed by a military judge every six months to renew the arrest order. Homes are constantly demolished. You need a permit from the Israeli military just to build a well or to expand your farm. You have to pass through countless checkpoints. So it is an unbearable existence, and it's what drove Omar from his homeland to come here. And then to have Citizenship and Immigration Canada essentially say, well, you're not a real refugee. I mean, he's stateless. And on top of that, he lives under direct military occupation. And it's clear that this is highly politicized by the Canadian state. But yet when Canada wanted to deport him, they couldn't. Israel continuously arrests people upon return to the West Bank or completely just denies them entry because the logic of the Israeli state is the greatest amount of land possible with the least amount of Palestinians. So the whole attempt is to continuously and slowly make it unbearable for Palestinians in the West Bank that they continually leave and that the demographics change. So Omar, because he's stateless and they won't grab him status, he can't sponsor his family, nor can he leave Canada to visit his family. 
he cannot go to school because he's not a permanent resident. So he can't move on in his life because he's denied everything that anybody that is here as a citizen or a permanent resident actually has. So he is completely in limbo until he's granted ministerial discretion or his humanitarian and compassionate claim is accepted. Our campaign is focusing directly on the immigration minister and Trudeau. So Omar is actually a resident of Justin Trudeau's writing. And the prime minister or the immigration minister have the power of discretion. They can essentially wave their hand and grant someone status. And so that's the form that we're trying to mobilize. And also he has another humanitarian in that's being studied. So we're trying to put pressure to have that accepted. And so the way we're trying to put pressure, we held a mobilization in Justin Trudeau's writing to publicize in the writing his campaign. The other effort that we've been doing is independent media work to get his story and his case out so that more people are aware and more people within the movement are aware that would actually mobilize to support him and to apply enough pressure directly on the government because now it's beyond the legal process. We're just trying to make it as visible as possible, his campaign, because with the increased visibility and the increased mobilization, we can hopefully apply enough pressure to embarrass the Trudeau government to accept him especially with all of Trudeau's talk about loving refugees at this current moment, despite the reality on the ground. One of the things that we would ask as a collective, I think, is letters of support at this moment to the immigration minister and Trudeau, but also to the collective. So one of the things you're asking then is for these letters of support to the immigration minister, to Justin Trudeau, copied to the collective, asking that they grant Omar status in Canada based on ministerial dispensation or based on accepting his latest humanitarian and compassionate application. Is there anything else that you're hoping supporters across the country will do? I mean, if people wanted to do actions in their cities or delegations... But I think the most critical thing at this moment is we're trying to gather as much letters of support and then maybe take it back onto the streets. And then at that point, asking for people, whether it be small pickets or even flyering about Omar's case, I think will will make a huge difference. You have been listening to an interview that I conducted with Mustafa Henaway of the group Tadaman as well as excerpts from one that he and Sausan Kadura did with Omar Ben Ali. For more information about Omar Ben Ali's struggle for immigration status in Canada, go to tadaman.ca slash omar. That's t-a-d-a-m-o-n dot c-a slash omar. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.